What is up? We are back with the first official episode of the Goal Line Football Podcast. Jordan, what is happening? Man, I am uh, I am beyond jacked. It is is opening week of NFL. We're recording this on Tuesday night. Um, yesterday was Labor Day, so it just got too hectic for both of us. Um, so you guys will be hearing this Wednesday. So tomorrow is football, baby. Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. It felt good. Have you? Know, Obviously, we mentioned last week this is a NFL centric podcast. But it was nice to get that little full slate of, of college games we had last week, you know, just to whet the appetite a little bit. And some pretty uh, interesting stuff going on as well. Yeah, man. College, uh, like I said last week, I, I love college football just as much as I love NFL. So, um, yeah, college season starting is always. And, and it always makes your Labor Day. And Seth even got a little caught up in college football this weekend, which normally he doesn't text me a whole lot during college football. It's usually just about when Nebraska's losing and how big of an Illinois fan he is or <laughs> Minnesota. I'll pick out whatever, like, if, like, Illinois' like, slot wide receiver is going off. I'll be like, man, I've been following this guy since high school and just start dropping some fun facts about whatever player is, uh, you know, causing Jordan agony at that moment. But surprisingly, dude, I didn't get any, like, real jerk texts from you during the Nebraska-Minnesota game. It was more like, damn, man, I can't believe they lost that game. Like, there was, well, there was know, no, like, our... <laughs> there was nothing bad. There was nothing bad that night. Yeah, so most of the time we really, our conversations were like 95% uh, wrestling, which is a little bit of football sprinkled in. But this year, it's going to be a lot more football talk, so I got to stay in your good graces, man. I can't burn up all my goodwill in week one. I will say I was laughing my ass off. You know, we were watching the the Colorado TCU Instant Classic from Saturday. Uh, you know, just watching this electrifying performance by Dion and the Buffaloes. And uh, Jordan texts me right, right afterwards, man, I can't wait to watch them play Nebraska this week after Nebraska <laughs> just gave... I wouldn't say it was lifeless. I mean, they did play tough, but it was just like the most boring Midwestern, like meat and potatoes brand of football you've ever seen. I mean, dude, that's what Big Ten football generally is outside of like Ohio State and Michigan. Um, it, it's just that they want you, they want to slow the game down and make it as boring as possible. Like, we're not out there to have a 55 to 53 game. Like, if it's a 21 17, that's right in the wheelhouse for us. So it's going to be interesting, man. What is your read on uh, Colorado Nebraska for this weekend? I mean, I feel like everybody's going to overreact to the Colorado thing, and I get it, man. Like everybody was doubting Dion and stuff like that. But dude, TCU did not have a good defense last year, and they lost half of it. They're not a good defense this year. I don't even think they're a very good team. Period. Nothing in that game made me think, man, TCU's going to have a good season. Colorado's defense isn't good either, so. I don't know. It, it, it's going to be interesting. The fact that it's only a three-point spread, I think if Vegas was that confident in Colorado, it'd be like 10. But I just don't think there's going to be a ton of points scored in that game, man. I just Nebraska keeps everything in front of them. They don't do the dumb TCU stuff where they watch a receiver run right past their safety and just, oh, well, we'll just try to score again next time. It's It's just not that brand of football they play, so... I think they're just going to try to slow the game down, run it up the gut. I mean, Colorado's defensive and offensive lines didn't look superior in the, in that game. So, yeah, they played decent, but they were they were small, man. Like watching the game, I was wondering why TCU didn't just keep handing to that big running back over and over. Like it seemed like he seemed like he was the biggest guy in the field when he was out there, and Colorado just could not slow him down. Um, yeah, I think there was just uh, I, I it was awesome tip of the cap yeah. to the Buffaloes, oh, man. Yeah. That was a really cool performance, but. 
like you said, I think that said, I think that was more about TCU than it was about Colorado. And I'm not taking anything from Colorado away. Like Colorado was impressive. Like dude, to put up 50 points in your debut, like that's impressive. Uh, his kid played incredible. Yeah, Shador Sanders looked super poised, very comfortable back there. Like, yeah, he made, and he made some big time throws too down the stretch. There was a couple of, couple of third and longs there, man, where, you know, they came up with it. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a fun game, man. Great way to really, really properly kick off the football season. I, I know we had a handful of games that first week, but they were, that was mostly junk games. Yeah, it was a uh, – I just – I don't think Colorado can sustain what they did on Saturday all season. Like, if Travis Hunter really plays 100-plus plays every game, man, that kid's unreal. I just – there's there's no way that's sustainable. Like, dude, you can't ask a kid – I mean, 12 football games, you can't ask a kid to play twelve to 1,300 plays in a season. That's just not going to work. I mean – I, nobody's ever done that like it's just not sustainable at all so i guess we'll see man maybe they can do it but i just i have my doubts they can play that well all season yeah, it was a crazy performance um you know that was that was kind of our, our lead story for the week uh we were so excited to talk football man we didn't even get our housekeeping out of the way first not a lot want to thank everybody for tuning in to the opening episode saw the numbers that was very encouraging Appreciate all the Chick Foley Show fans that, that came over to uh, give us a listen. In addition to the new, uh, the new folks just discovering us for the first time, I want to remind you: if you are listening on the Chick Foley Show feed, please get in the show notes and uh, subscribe over on the uh, the Goal Line exclusive feed as well. That'll really help us out with the old uh, the old algorithm to just kind of increase the platform and help us get discovered by some new listeners. Um, but yeah, appreciate all the feedback. And let's get into some pro football talk. So, again, the big thing for this week, this is another slightly truncated episode uh, like last week's, but we're going to be predicting all the week one games, laying down our first round of million-dollar bets, and we got some listener mail. But we do got a couple of player stories we want to talk about first. Um, Obviously, the big one that that news broke uh, midday today, you know, I drafted him with the first round in both of my fantasy leagues. So, of course, Travis Kelsey, for the first time in a long time, hyperextends his knee and is now questionable for at least week one. Yeah, if if I was putting money down on this, I, I would say he sits week one just because, dude, there's 17 games now. There is no reason for him to play if he's even remotely injured. And I get it, dude. NFL players have to play through being hurt all the time, but a knee is nothing to mess with when you're a tight end and you're running downfield and people are targeting that. I mean, I just there's no spring chicken either. No, dude, he's not a young dude anymore. That's the thing that I think people just keep talking about. I'm like, he's in his like mid twenties. I'm like, dude, this dude's 30. Like yeah. he's, he's not on the right side of 30. Anymore. This is his 11th, uh, his 11th season in the league yet. Yeah, like, he hasn't lost, at, you know, a half a step from when he first came in. And I think that, and you know, Mahomes coming in kind of halfway through his run there in KC, I think it makes it seem like, you know, it feels like he came in the same time Mahomes did, right? He was pretty good with Alex Smith, but it went to a different level with Patrick Mahomes. But yeah, dude's in his 11th year. God willing, it's just a little fluke thing and it's back to business as usual. But, uh, you know, you never know, man. My The the red flags are up a little bit. Maybe this is the, uh, the, the first step in the eventual decline. He turns 34 years old October 5th of this year. Like, that's not young for football terms. Like, that's, I mean, ancient. Dude, for a lot of players, that's the end of the road, man. Like, you hit 30, that's it. So, I mean, he's already kind of defying the odds on on playing as long as he is. So, 
I don't know. I, I still think he's going to be fine as far as the season. I'm, we're not trying to throw up the panic meter on everybody right now. I still think he's going to be fine. Even if he ends up missing two games, dude, we're not going to suggest that this is going to somehow be a down year because he's going to miss two games. The dude's going to come back whenever he comes back, and they're just going to give him the ball 20 times a game. Like It's just what they do. They force feed Kelsey the ball. Everybody knows it's coming, and you still can't stop it. So. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i with you, man. I'm sure he'll be fine. I'm going to be bold, man. I think he plays Thursday night. I think he ends up being a game-time decision, and we see him at least at least a little bit on Thursday. They said the MRI didn't reveal any tears or anything, but he had some pretty significant swelling, and everything will just come down to how much that goes down tomorrow. Um, yeah, I just I don't think they're going to play or mess with a knee, but, I mean, dude. You never know. The dude never misses games. So, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if he played. Maybe he just plays like a, uh, a shortened snap count, maybe not like every play or anything like that. I, I don't know. Dude, it, it's Andy yeah. Reid. He could wheel him out there in a wheelchair and probably somehow drop a play for him to score a <laughs> touchdown. Yeah, no lie, man. Uh, all right, so the other big story that came out last couple of days, Mike Evans, awesome, awesome wide receiver for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you know, quietly putting together a little bit of a Hall of Fame resume down there. Uh Contract negotiations have broke down. He's apparently demanded a trade, and he's looking to go to the Giants. Um, he hasn't quietly. He is a Hall of Famer already. I'll, I'll say that right now. He's one of the only like three receivers that have ever done what he's done in his first nine years or ten years, whatever it is. He's going to the Hall of Fame, and he's got a ring. Yeah, he's going. Um, the Giants, dude, like <sighs> – did he not watch them play last year? Like they don't go down field with the ball at all. Like I just, I, that one, I don't get, I mean, I get him wanting to be traded. I wouldn't want to be on the bucks now anyway. Like they're, they're, they're a sinking ship. Uh, it, it's going to go downhill pretty quick for them. I think. Yeah. Uh, this, this be the first step in just straight up tanking this year for the Bucks, man. I, I, uh, so I don't blame him for wanting to get out of there. Yeah. Giants is an interesting decision. Maybe he's just wanting to get up to New York. Dude, I just I never understand these dudes wanting to go play. So he's gonna go from Florida with no state tax to New York with one of the highest state taxes. Like, I don't understand these dudes. Like, dude, isn't the like goal of playing in the NFL is to leave it in the best health with the most money as you can? Like, the most money he can leave with is staying in Florida. Like, I get not wanting to stay in Tampa, but dude request a trade to a better team than the Giants. And that that's not a dig on the Giants. I'm just saying, like, their offense isn't built around, like, long bombs and stuff like that. Like, I just don't think that's Daniel Jones' game. But I don't know, man. Mike Evans is incredible. And I think he gets – I think he's, like, one of the more underrated players in the NFL. I just always think about it when I'm doing fantasy drafts. Like, it's, like, sixth round and Mike Evans is still sitting there. It's like, dude, this dude's a thousand-yard machine. He gets a thousand yards yeah, every season. in the bank, dude. And with you know he's he's been there with Jameis Winston, uh, you know Mike Glennon there for a little bit. Like he's it, you know his run with Brady was very very small, all things considered. Uh, he, he's dealt with some some very poor quarterback play during his time there in Tampa. Yeah, I mean, but is Daniel Jones really that much of an upgrade for him? I mean, I think maybe you got to look at the, it's the Brian Dayball offense, and you know, don't just look at the QB. Look at the the QB plus the uh, you know the offensive uh, system. Yeah, that's true. I, I just, I mean, I get it. They need a receiver bad. There's no, there's absolutely no denying the Giants need a star receiver, and he definitely fits that bill. The only thing that's scary, man, is trading for or giving a contract to a receiver that's 30 or older is just, 
it usually doesn't end well. Like we saw how quick Julio went downhill. It's just, I don't know, man. It's dang- Mike Evans. He's the, you know, he's a similar, you know, make and model to Julio, man. Big physical wide receiver. And from the sounds of it, and this could just be something they're putting out there just to kind of put some, put some like feelers out there. But the rumor is he has a quad injury right now. And, Great. Dude, quad injuries with a receiver. They linger. That ain't good, man. That that's what started happening to Julio after the foot is he started getting quad injuries and stuff. And dude, once that starts, there's no stopping it as a receiver. I mean, you're literally planting off your leg every time you run a route. Like, I don't know, man. I just I don't feel good about it for him. Still working out the production kinks. We should have hit that before we got into the stories of the week, but I w- I'm not going to miss an opportunity <laughs> to hear the uh, the Tech Mobile <laughs> kickoff sound effect, man. Uh, all right. The other player we want to talk about, Jonathan Taylor. So uh, I didn't touch on this last week because we were really just trying to give you guys an overview of what the show is going to be all about. But um, this is a guy earlier this summer, um, negotiations broke down between him and the Colts. You know, he met directly with Jim Irsay. Jim Irsay had some, you know, pretty interesting comical quotes out in the media. Uh, this seems like, you know, I, I could totally see Mike Evans patching up his relationship with the Bucks, man. Like it, it could happen. Throw a little bit of money on it, you know, let bygones be bygones, water under the bridge. This situation has gotten ugly up in Indy. Jonathan Taylor ended up being kind of the poster boy for, you know, the unappreciated running backs. And turns out he's, you know, the kind of the last guy sitting out at musical chairs. I don't see this one going anywhere, man. I think the Colts got their heels dug in. I think he ends up, you know, doing a levy on Bell and setting out the season. How do you see this playing out with uh, with JT there in Indianapolis? Man, the, the scary thing is every time this has happened that a player has sat out for an entire year, it just it never comes back. They never come back the same, you know. It just I don't know, dude, just not getting hit for an entire year. And dude, Jonathan Taylor barely played last year too, like it's going to end up being damn near two years if he sits out this entire year. Yeah. The Colts are not budging, though. There, there's just no way. Your owner cannot come out and say the shit that he said and just somehow mend fences. The fact that they were asking what they were asking the Dolphins for is borderline ridiculous, though. Like, What was the uh, what was the offer they were trying to get from the Dolphins? They wanted Waddle. Yeah, not happening. I mean, I think Jonathan Taylor's good. Like. Dude, as, as crass as the quote was, I don't think there was any reason that NFL owner should have said something like that. I don't really think he was wrong where he was like, you know, basically said the effect of, you know, if my, and he included himself in it. And also he said, if myself or Jonathan Taylor are just gone tomorrow, the league's going to move on just fine. I, I think he's good. I don't think he's a super special kind of player, dude. I think he's kind of just a really, really good workhorse back. I mean, where are you? what do you think of Jonathan Taylor just as a player? Dude, I think if in the right system, I still think he's a top five running back in the NFL. I mean, dude, that season two seasons ago was, I mean, it was like mind boggling how good he looked that year. It's just the Colts fell apart, dude. Their their offensive line sucked. They had Matt Ryan just sitting back there getting drilled every play. It was just, I don't know, dude, it was a comedy of errors for that team. And I just, I still feel like Jonathan Taylor has a lot to offer a team. Now, granted, Man, this running back market is just, dude, it's brutal. Can you imagine playing like what used to be the most important position outside of quarterback in the NFL? Like, dude, running backs were paid almost like quarterbacks until about five years ago. Like they they were getting just as much as they were getting more than receivers. And a lot of times just as much as some of the quarterbacks. And 
now they've just completely devalued it. And, dude, I think the thing that the Falcons just did with drafting Bijan in the first round, they're going to pay him for five years. And if they decide after five years they don't want to pay him again, they just got to start running back for five years on a rookie deal. I think, unfortunately, I think that's going to happen a lot more moving forward. Yeah, I mean, the only running back that we've seen really seen cash out last few years was Derrick Henry, and you've seen what he's had to do. He had to basically put a team on his back and carry them all the way to the AFC Championship, man. Um, unless you're just a freak, like somebody that's absolutely irreplaceable like that, I don't see – I just think those days are gone for the you know the running backs being, being considered a marquee player as far as um, you know the value that teams put into them. I'm not going to lie, too. One of the biggest things for running backs right now is, dude, look, Zeke got paid and then immediately reported to camp and he looked like a fat ass. Like, I don't think that helped the running back market either. Like, he got paid, what was that, three years ago, four years ago? Yeah. And just immediately showed up and looked like he'd gained 25 pounds. Like, I don't think that was helping the situation either because, dude, Jerry Jones was pissed, man. They weren't getting anything out of him. They had somebody who's his backup that was better than him, but they still had to play Zeke because he was getting paid $20 million a year. I mean, it, I feel bad for running backs, man, because they do get put through it. But, I mean. Yeah, I mean, dude, it's just, it, it's it's sad. But I feel like a lot of times, unless you are somebody who's got just, you know, a really, really special skill set or, or you know, some physical traits, I just feel like mo- there's not that big of a difference between the best running backs and the mid-grade running backs. I feel like that's a pretty small gap. And a lot of times if I'm a GM, if there's a guy where I can get, you know, 75% of the production for, you know, a fifth of the price, why, why not do it? You know? Yeah. I think the eye opening one to me is that Eckler didn't get paid. Cause I thought he was one of the dudes that really earned it. I mean, dude, they just put the ball in his, his hands every two downs, whether it was a pass or a run and just, just told him to run, man. And that dude was getting beat up a lot. And, I was pretty surprised that the Chargers didn't budge on his, and then he just went back like nothing happened. I, I don't know, man. They, these guys are not setting a good example moving forward. And then, <laughs> and then Josh Jacobs just ends his holdout and goes back to the team. Like, I don't know, man. Money talks, man. Did you know who else, you do Zeke out there? You know who else hurt? Uh, Todd Gurley, man. Oh, Todd Gurley. Yeah, he got he was freaking awesome, and then he had that you know the arthritic knees, man. He. Uh, you know, he fell off a cliff big time after he got his big deal. Dude, his knees just deteriorated in one season. Like, it was like he was all pro, and then, like, two days later, he was just done. I mean, when yeah. he went to the Falcons, that was pretty much when you could tell. <laughs> this dude's going back home to maybe play two seasons, and that's it. Like, dude, you don't go back home off of a Rams team that was almost a competitor already, and then they he just leaves. Like, that, to me, was the writing on the wall for him. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so, so what's your overall call? I'd say Jonathan Taylor does not step on an NFL field this year. I think they trade him at the deadline. Honestly, I, I don't think that the Colts can just, I I, I just don't think they're just going to leave him there for no reason. Cause dude, the, the older he gets, the less they can ask for him. Like people aren't just going to cave and give them what they want. I think them asking for Jalen Waddle was asinine there was no way the dolphins in their right minds could have ever done that you don't trade a star wide receiver for a running back no matter how good they are so i think he yeah, gets and the dolphins they seem to get by just piecemeal in the running back position last year anyways i think somebody panics at the deadline i think it'll be an afc team that panics at the deadline because i think the afc is that good um then again it could be an nfc team like dude if there's only two really good teams you're 
maybe one player away from competing. So I guess it could be an NFC team too, but I think he gets traded at the deadline. All right. Before we get into our week one predictions, man, what are you drinking tonight? I am currently sipping on a Steve Austin broken skull double IPA. Nice. Good choice. I'm doing IPA also. So this is by Brewdog Brewing out of um, Columbus, Ohio. They teamed up with Iron Maiden of all people to launch a, uh, you know, a sponsored beer. This is the Hellcat Cold IPA. So if you listen to the Chick Foley show where we did some investigating, found out the cold IPA had to do with the the temperature that the hops are grown at, I guess if they're grown above a certain altitude, it changes something in them. Who knows, man? Probably just marketing. That's a, that's a yeah. good beer. I actually had one of those last week. That's a really good beer. Yeah, it's pretty damn tasty, man. Really citrusy, man. Uh, but it's not like one of those ones where it's straight up like a you know, a cup of grapefruit juice. Like, yeah, really good beer. So if you find some of this, uh, and it's a, got a bitchin' can. So yeah. if you find some of this out and about, definitely pick it up. The, have you ever done the, um, the brew dog advent calendar around Christmas? have not this is the first thing i've ever had from oh, Rudolph. definitely try to pick that up because they put some interesting beers in it. it it's pretty cool every year nice all right you ready to get into predictions yeah let's do it yeah bridge all the trouble water ice in my all right, it is time to start picking some games. So we're going to go, you know, week by week. So you only get one point, whether I get every game wrong this week and Jordan gets everyone right, it'll still just count one point in the column, and we're going to see uh, who who is the best NFL prognosticator as the season goes on. So we'll start running through the games. Jordan, do you have something to write in? I do. I'm ready when you are, buddy. What, what did you end up grabbing? Uh, I'm actually going to use the notepad on my phone instead of actually writing because my handwriting sucks. Risky. Okay. All right. Smart. I, I I tried to get Jordan to get either a full size big yellow legal pad or maybe one of those nice composition notebooks with the bitchin' uh, black and white cover, man, for I'm, it to, to make this thing more special. I'm going to screenshot it too, just so you know I'm not cheating it. So w- once we get through <laughs> it, I'm going to screenshot it and I'll send it to you. There you go. Uh, all right. Let's start off. First game of the season Lions Chiefs. I'm not picking against the Chiefs at home on ring night. I just. I would love to see Detroit win this game just because I love that team, man. Dan Campbell's awesome. They have a fun young team. It it just seems like they want to have fun. But, dude, going into Kansas City on ring night, I just can't even imagine not being terrified to play that game. <laughs> like, dude, Mahomes is just going to show out in that game. I, uh... Yeah, with or without Kelsey, I don't think it's going to matter. I actually, I love Dan Campbell as well. I think the Lions are due for a huge letdown this year, man. They're they're my overhyped team of the year. I think Jared Goff comes crashing back down to earth. Uh, you know, I thought that they were really, really kind of just flippant about getting rid of those two good running backs that they had. Uh, to, I know they I know they spent a high draft pick on the rookie, but you got proven production there uh, last season. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I feel like the Lions are really due for a letdown. I think Chiefs roll. All right. Uh, Sunday, we got the Battle of Ohio, the Bengals and the Browns in Cleveland. I mean, Burrow is going to play, so I'm going Cincinnati. Yeah, I think Cincy rolls. I think I, I, I'm rooting. I We talked about this a little bit last week, man. I cannot stand. I mean, I actually kind of generally root for the Browns because I respect their fan base. They got some of the most loyal fans, despite their team giving them absolutely nothing to root for really over the last 20 years. Uh, but I was just really disgusted by their just – you know, how much they were just drooling all over themselves to go and uh, and get Deshaun Watson. I, I hope this year is just a dumpster fire and, uh, you know, 
this it just turns into just a you know it going it already looks like a bad call. I hope it gets even worse by the end of the season. Okay, uh, this is not me defending Deshaun Watson at all. This is me defending Cleveland fans because I'm a Cavs fan, and Cleveland fans go through the worst of the worst. Dude, when you've had like 25 quarterbacks in 16 years, if you get even somebody close that would even possibly be considered an all-pro at quarterback, you should be excited. Granted, Deshaun Watson's a piece of crap, but outside of that, I mean, I get why they were excited. What was so bad about Baker, though, dude? Well, I understand that, you know, his performance since he left there has, uh, you know, it it's it had it's kind of made their decision play out, but at the time... What was the thought process behind chasing him out of town to go and get, uh, you know, this dude that's about to be suspended for over half a season? Dude, I think something happened there, whether it was a locker room thing or whatever it may be, because, yeah, dude, that season that they went to the playoffs with him, I just, I mean, I thought they found it. and He was good. And the next year he was hurt, man. I still think, I I don't think he's ever going to bounce back from that that shoulder. I think that's still bothering him to this day. So, I mean, maybe that was their reasoning, but yeah, either way, dude, it's just sad situation, man. It seems like they kind of got that. uh, He's kind of got, I think he should just like bail and just go do freaking ESPN, you know, college game day or something like that. I'm sure he'd be great on there. I feel like he's kind of got that, that curse where he's like, he's too notable to be a backup. You know, he's always going to have too much attention on him and, team just won't really even want to fucking mess with him if he's not going to be starting for him dude i don't know what it is but like the like the quarterbacks that come off as like i don't know like the bad boys of college football basically like baker was always one that was causing controversy manzel just so happens the browns drafted both of them i mean i don't know (laughs) dude i think ryan lee yeah i think that shit doesn't play in the nfl man the nfl you just gotta get in and be a pro i just yeah i just think there's something to that man like you walk into a locker room with 53 other dudes that are i mean they're getting paid to play football too and that shit just doesn't it doesn't fly the same way it did in college like in college you're like a god like nfl you act like that and you start fucking up dude the fans are gonna turn against you day one they don't care about that like dude this is a business like this is a full-on business and they're only there to win that's the only thing that matters to them yeah for sure all right we got the texans and ravens in baltimore i think this one's gonna be ugly ravens roll yeah agreed Bucks and Vikings in Minnesota. Vikings. I think they, I do think that the Vikings definitely regress a little bit this year. I don't think it's going to be a ton, but I don't know, man. There's just no way they can keep playing the way that they're playing the last year with the close games and the comebacks and stuff. Like, dude, eventually that's just going to catch up to you and you just can't keep doing it. I agree. I don't see them going 13 and four, but I think the the hype for Vikings regression this season has gotten a little bit out of control. I still think there's a ton of talent there. Kirk Cousins is I think he's greatly underrated, dude. Now, he's got the Tony Romo thing going where he has had some major, major epic mistakes in big moments. And that's what the people remember. Um, but I think he's pretty good week in and week out, man. He gives you a chance to win every single game you play. And I think they're going to be firmly in the playoff race once again. I think the biggest thing about Kirk Cousins, and this is just outside of primetime games, because we obviously all know the stats for that. That dude just does not lose you a game. Like, that's the one thing I'll say about him is when it's not like a primetime game, like you can count on Cousins to to do some things. And what he's not going to do is just flat out lose you the game. So yeah, dude, he's, yeah. he's good when when he's on. He's really good. He gets oh, he's streaky. 
fuck, dude. When he gets when he gets hot and he dude, he's freaking dealing. He's as good as anybody in the league. But you know, it, def, it, it comes and goes with him. But I I think the Bucks have a really ugly season and it gets started week one up in Minnesota. Dude, the craziest thing to me still is Washington drafted RG three and Kirk Cousins in the same draft. Yeah, that's a hell of a draft, dude. That one season for RG three is one of the two or three best rookie QB seasons we've ever seen, man. Like he was incredible that year. I lived up in Northern Virginia uh, during that time and dude, Redskins fever was crazy, man. Like the, that, that was the time to go grocery shopping on Sunday afternoons. Cause when the Redskins were playing, the streets were absolutely empty, man. Like people were tuned in watching RG three do his thing. And it's just a shame. One, one of the true all time shooting stars of the NFL. Speaking of deteriorating knees. <laughs> yeah the uh all right we yeah he they say the other thing dude like he must have had like some i know he had a torn acl in college too but it must have been like you know more worse than a regular torn acl because we see guys come back from acls all the time like it's nothing but he was never even close to the same after that injury in the playoffs that year nope. all right interesting game here man the panthers coming to atlanta to play the falcons I'm not picking against the Falcons week one against the Panthers, dude. Rookie quarterback rolling into Atlanta. I th- I think the Falcons defense is going to be really improved from last year. They brought in a lot of good people. Um, bringing in Cal- a guy like Calais Campbell can only help you. Like, dude, that dude's going to be such a good mentor playing next to Grady Jarrett. I just, they're not losing to the Panthers week one. Now I say that and they probably will go out and lose, but I don't know, dude. I I just I can't pick against them against the Panthers with a rookie quarterback. And after watching their offensive line those preseason games, like, dude, if the Falcons can't get pressure on this team, then I I don't know what they're gonna do this season. Dude, I think I'm very very trepidatiously am picking the Falcons on this man. I got a bad feeling though. You know, they've had a lot of kind of under the radar buzz this off season with with Arthur Miller kind of having all the uh, the 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 you know the pieces in place arthur smith my bad yeah arthur smith (laughs) having all the uh i think arthur miller's a playwriter uh arthur smith having all the uh the the pieces in place to kind of get this you know run heavy unconventional by modern nfl standards offense going um and dude i've just i've seen the falcons let their fans down so many times dude nothing would be a bigger letdown than letting bryce young come in and get a win in his first nfl start on the road in atlanta um, so I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go Falcons, but I am very, very shaky on that, on that pick. Dude, I get it. I just, I look at that Panthers roster and I'm like, if the Falcons are even going to remotely have a chance to win the division, they have to win this game. Like there's, there's no maybe win this game, like they, they have to win this game. I just, I mean, dude, the Panthers number one receiver is Adam Thielen. Like if you lose to that. I don't know, man. I just dude, Adam Thielen can low key ball though, dude. Yeah, when he's got Justin Jefferson <laughs> on the other side of him, who does he have on the other side of him now? DJ dude, Chark. He was a, he was a good wide receiver for a long time for before five, he got there, man. Five I'm years just, ago. <laughs> I'm just saying, dude. I think I, I would I wouldn't mind if I'm a quarterback. I wouldn't mind being in the huddle if it's a two minute drill, we're driving to win, and I got Adam Thielen out there with me because I know he's going to catch. You know, he's not going to drop a pass. He's going to run a good route, do the right thing. I just I, I got to push back on the uh, the Adam Thielen slander a little bit. All I know is the Falcons better light into Bryce Young because that offensive line is miserable. 
I mean, the Falcons should win, dude. Bryce Young can't even see over the line. If they, if the defensive <laughs> linemen, they don't even need to rush. Just stick your hands up in the air, and they're not going to be able to pass the ball. So, yeah, the more I'm thinking about it, maybe I shouldn't be as, as sketched out about this one. But it's yeah, as we talked about last episode, yeah, I've been burnt by this team too many times. Uh, Cardinals and Commanders in DC. I I think the Commanders just smoke them, dude. I, I think until Kyler Murray comes back, Cardinals are by far the worst team in the league, in my opinion. Oh, dude, I don't think the Commanders win a game if – or not the Commanders, the Cardinals win a game if Kyler Murray doesn't come back. Like, they're, they're running Josh Dobbs out there this Sunday, dude. They, they yeah. are in full tank mode. And the thing is, is somebody brought this up yesterday, and I kind of forgot it a little bit. So they'll probably go on full tank, so that means they'll have a chance to pick Caleb Williams. They also have Houston's number one pick. So, dude, they could easily have one and two in this draft. That's insane, man. And yeah, you have to you have to really make a decision on Kyler Murray at that point. Like, do we do we invest in the, the Kyler Murray experience or do we do we pull chalk, see what we can get for him somebody and, and will start tr- over? Somebody would trade for Kyler Murray, dude. There's only like ten really good starting quarterbacks in the NFL. Somebody would trade for Kyler Murray. Yeah. I think Kyler Murray, I still have hope for him ended up being a you know, a really good NFL quarterback, which he's been pretty decent, decent to to good at moments. But I, I still think he could put it together and end up being, you know, a top 10 QB in the league. He's in a horrible situation, first of all. Like, Arizona's terrible even with him on the field. Like, it's not like that's a good team even with him on the field. So, yeah. All right, Jaguars and Colts and Indy. I think I think Jags roll, man. Yeah. I think I, I think the Jaguars got a chance to be the number one seed in the AFC. I think they got all the pieces clicking. I think they're going to be you know fired up, hungry. I don't think they're the best team in the AFC. I probably wouldn't even put them in the top four. But I you know with a weak division, everything they got going, I could see them putting together you know 13, 14 wins this season. I mean, dude, they probably have six guaranteed wins in the division. They're not losing to any of those teams. Like, I just, I don't see it. And that that's not a slant on any of those teams. I just think that, I mean, dude, the, the older Derrick Henry gets, the more the Titans are going to slow down. The last yeah. 10 weeks of the season last year was an absolute dumpster fire for that team. And they didn't change a whole lot. Like no, they're running it back, dude. They they are running it back. They got DeAndre Hopkins, who's also you know basically father time as far as NFL wide receivers go at this point. Um, yeah, I just I, I think the Jags they're kind of at that that perfect moment where like everybody on the roster is kind of going to be hitting their stride at the same time, getting Calvin Ridley um, back on the field. I just think they're going to kick ass and, and pile up a lot of wins this year. I, I see them, you know, maybe making a run to the AFC Championship. I don't think they make it to the Super Bowl, but I think they kind of take the next step, and then next season they're they're on the short list for Super Bowl favorites. I think Trevor Lawrence has a really good chance of finishing in the top three for quarterbacks this year, honestly, as far as all the stats are concerned. Like, dude, I just remember two seasons ago, everybody's like, this dude's going to be a bust. And, dude, I just never saw any of that in this dude. Like, he can no, ball. it was Urban Meyer, dude. That was, that was all Urban Meyer. As soon as Urban Meyer got out of there, dude started balling. Yeah, dude, he that dude could ball. He's a game. And if you watch the games that rookie year, like the numbers were ugly, but he was doing everything he could. It wasn't, it was kind of like, you know, Peyton Manning. If you go back and look at the stats for Peyton Manning's rookie year, they're horrible too, but he was still playing really, really good. Just the numbers didn't show it. Yeah. All right. We got another interesting game in the early window the Niners and the Steelers in Pittsburgh. Dude, this Bosa situation is not going to get solved, I don't think. I think they're just too far apart. That considerably weakens the 49ers defense not having him. Like, he is a huge part of what they do defensively. 
I'm still not picking the Steelers, but I, I think the 49ers have a little bit of problems going on right now. We got to see a full season of Brock Purdy still. Not having Bosa on defense is going to be a huge problem for them. Like, he just opens up so much for everybody else on that defense. And I don't know what they're doing, dude. You pay the guys that pay can him. get at the quarterback the way he can. Like, we argue about who you should and should not pay. The guy that can get to the quarterback while getting double teamed is the guy you pay. Like, I don't care who else is on the team. You pay him. Yeah, and the thing about it, dude, I feel like GMs have gotten so creative at manipulating the cap. You hardly ever hear about teams being in, like, salary cap hell like you did in the early 2000s. You know I mean? You can always find a way to get out of these contracts or restructure them to do what you need to do. So, I mean, if it's just straight up, like, dollars and cents, they don't think he's worth the money, I don't know where the hell they're coming from because he's, he's a true game changer. Yeah. Um, I'm going Steelers, man. I think the Steelers finished sneaky strong last season. They're going to be super fired up. You know, Pittsburgh is still a place where you have a strong home field advantage. And it's a it's a noon game, man, On the for a West Coast team. They traditionally struggle. Remember last year, a badass 49ers team rolled into Atlanta and got spanked by the Falcons. Same situation, starting at 12 o'clock East Coast they, time. They also were missing 14 players in that game. But, yeah, let's not let that get in the way of this story because, yeah, I'm all still, for man. it. <laughs> yeah, they, you know, they still um, – these teams still tend to struggle with these things. I think I think Pittsburgh comes out fired up, and Week One's wonky, anyways. Remember the Niners lost Week One last year uh, to the freaking Bears. So yeah, for all those reasons, I think the Steelers pull off the uh, the slight upset and walk out Week One. I do. I think the Niners are the far superior team, but I think on Sunday the uh, the Steelers are going to roll. Fair enough. All right, then we got the Titans and Saints down in New Orleans. <sighs> I hate picking the Saints so much, but dude, I just, I don't know what the Titans are doing, man. Like, how do you just run back the same team after they finished the way they did? I I don't get it, man. I just, I just don't understand how you can look at that roster and think, oh yeah, man, this one's still good enough to compete. We'll just run it back again, but we'll add Hopkins. Like, and didn't they lose a couple guys on defense too? Yeah, they did, but I would say this, man. The ty- they were seven and three last season. With they almost beat the Chiefs with Malik Willis, mm-hmm. and then everybody just started getting hurt. You know, everybody got hurt down the stretch. They lost their last seven games. And Vrabel is a coach. Mike Vrabel is a coach that he absolutely has his team ready to go and has a game plan cooked up where they're competitive in every game. You rarely see them get blown out, right? They may have some ugly, boring ass losses where it's like thirteen to ten, sixteen to thirteen scores like that. But they really go out, you know, it's outside of the Eagles game. They were competitive pretty much every game down the stretch last season, even when they were, um, you know, on that that monumental collapse down the stretch. I think they go out and win, man. I think Derek Carr was low-key a little bit cooked last year. I don't see the enough talent down there in New Orleans to be able to, you know, help lift him back up. I don't I don't love the coaching in New Orleans. I think the Titans go down and get a get a week one road win. This would be the happiest I've ever been if you were right and I was wrong on a game because I absolutely hate the Saints and for them to start out 0-1 would be just glorious for me. All right. We got some AFC West action. We're now moving into the late window. So these will be the the four o'clock start times on the East Coast, three o'clock central time. We got the Raiders and the new look Denver Broncos in Denver. God. Garoppolo versus Strussel Wilson. Um, I think the Broncos roll, dude. I told you, look at the numbers, man. Russell Wilson was, 
He wasn't Seattle Russ, but he was productive. He was pretty solid those three games after um, Hackett got fired last season. They went two and one. I think Russ had a combined five touchdowns and one interception over those last three games. So, you know, everything we've heard is Sean Payton is coaching him really hard. Um, I think the Broncos are due for a, a little bit of a bounce back, man. I, I think they kicked the, the Raiders' ass on Sunday. I mean, they do. As much as I hate the guy, he can game plan the shit out of a out of He's a, a good coach, a week. dude. I hate him too, but he's a good-ass coach. Yeah, and I just think the Broncos have more talent. I think uh, the Raiders' defense is going to be miserably bad. I, I think the Raiders' defense might be all-time bad this season. So you're going Denver as well? Yeah, I'm going Denver. All right. The Eagles and Patriots in New England, I think this is – I think this is an ugly loss, and maybe we start to hear a little bit of, you know, birds chirping. Maybe it should be Belichick's last season, dude. Maybe it's, you know, maybe the old guy isn't going to get it turned around post-Brady. I think this one could get ugly. Who did they pick up as their backup quarterback? Because they signed someone to the active roster. So who's the backup now for Mac Jones? One second. Talk about uh, what you think the Eagles are going to look like this season while I uh, fire up the Google machine. Dude, yeah, I think this game gets ugly. I agree with you. I I just think, dude, the Eagles are built for for winning games in any weather and any scenario. I just I love the way they built this team. They brought back almost the entire offensive line. Like, yeah, dude, it's just th- this is a still a special team. I don't think they're as good as last year just because their defense lost a bit. But, dude, again, talked about it last week. This team just knows how to draft, man. They they picked up that Jordan Davis kid, or not Jordan Davis, what's his name? Jordan, I don't remember what his name is, but whatever. Yeah, Jordan Davis last year, and then they picked up uh, Carter this year from Georgia. It just dropped into their Yeah, lives. Jalen Carter probably could have been the number one pick, but he had some, some off-field issues. Their defensive line is just going to be nasty again. They still got Fletcher Cox and all those guys, so yeah. Good luck, man. Best of luck playing against that defensive line. So the Patriots re-signed Bailey Zappi, who should be the starter, let's be real, on the practice squad. And the, currently he's he's listed as a practice squad. And then they got Matt Coral from the, uh, the Panthers. Okay. Yeah, he was a pretty pretty good quarterback at Ole Miss. And then he had an injury his last year that really kind of kind of crushed his NFL prospects. So, so it's still a mystery as who's actually going to be the active backup on Sunday. Um, you got to imagine probably be Zappi. I mean, he was there all training camp, but we'll see. You never know with the Patriots. They'll, they'll, they'll make some funky personnel moves on you. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, and I agree. Like I said, Eagles are gonna Eagles are gonna roll in that one. One second. Let me get back to our slate. All right. So the next up, the Rams and the Seahawks in Seattle. Seahawks. I just, dude, the Rams literally bought that title, and they're gonna suffer for it for quite a while. Yeah, Seahawks should win, dude. I don't know, man. The Rams are kind of sneaky. I'm picking Seahawks, but I wouldn't be shocked if the Rams put off. I'm a big believer in Sean McVay. Um, yeah, I got I, last season. I was fortunate in my work situation or anything else I going on. I watched more football than I have in probably the last five years. Um, and one thing that stuck out to me was down the stretch when the Rams season was already cooked, they were still playing hard week in and week out. Sean McVay was down to, you know, he had guys we've never even heard of before in NFL or college coming out there because they were so decimated with injuries and they were still playing hard, putting together good game plans. Um, but yeah, the Seahawks should get this one. I, I worry about Geno Smith, man. I worry about that, you know, that, that stage coach turning back into a pumpkin. I mean, it's definitely possible. I just, it doesn't sound like cups playing this week for sure. I just, 
I don't know, man. And all the shit you've heard about Stafford in this training camp, him not connecting with younger players and stuff like dude, bad st- vibes out of LA right now. Stafford sure. is definitely not meant to be on a rebuilding team, and that's exactly what he's on right now. So I don't know. I don't have a whole lot of hopes for the Rams this year. I'll go Seahawks again with a uh, again with a little bit of trepidation there. All right, this is a tough one to pick, man. I'm gonna let you go first. I think I need to hear what you say before I make my call on it. The Dolphins at the Chargers. Yeah, this is gonna be a good game. The Chargers are so loaded with talent. It feels like they consistently underachieve, and the Dolphins they were inconsistent as hell. Obviously, we don't know where two is at health wise, but. When the Dolphins were rolling last year, they seemed like a dark horse Super Bowl contender. Yeah, dude, it's really hard to pick against the Dolphins. If 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 you know Tua is 100% healthy, that team is dangerous. He's a perfect fit for Mike McDaniel's offense. The biggest problem about that dude is he's one hit away from being not healthy at all. Like, Yeah. I just, I think the Chargers are going to be better this year than they were last year. I think getting Kellen Moore as their offensive coordinator, who's definitely less conservative than whoever they had last year. I can't even remember who it is at this point. Dude, I just... Yeah, I'll go Chargers. I think you're right, man. It's in L.A. also. Yeah, I'm going to go Chargers. I don't feel great about it because I think both these teams are really good. But, I don't know, dude. I think Mac is going to get some pressure on Tua and... Tua under pressure is not good. Like, I mean, I'd be panicking too if I had whatever he had three concussions <laughs> last year. Like, I wouldn't want to get yeah. hit either. But they, uh, I, yeah, I could see either, I could see this game in a blowout in either direction. I could see either team getting hot and running off like four touchdowns in a row and just run away with this one. But, uh, it should be a pretty intriguing game. That's, that's definitely a good one for, for a week one, uh, in, in the late window. Yeah. All right. We got the Packers at the Bears. Oh, God. <laughs> I think Packers win, man. Pat, Jordan Lowe's been getting some hype this preseason also. You know, for whatever reason, when Aaron Rodgers was there, he sucked. But now I've been hearing a lot of, you know, pardon the pun, but love for uh, for Jordan Love coming out with, with the football media. Um, and I, I'm with you, man. I think the Bears are just dysfunctional. I think Packers win. They it, With Aaron Rodgers is gone, but the Packers still own the Bears. Well, I think the biggest problem for the Bears this season is going to be their defense. And... I mean, dude, they still got Aaron Jones. They still got that good offensive line. They got A.J. Dillon. Still got playmakers on the offensive side of the ball. They, Dude, they have a good head coach. I mean, I just think they're going to be able to out-scheme the Bears. I just – I think there's too many limitations on the Bears' offense, too. I'm not saying Justin Fields is not good. He's good, but I just – I think there's going to be limitations, and I think any game that they're going to need to score 30 points to win, I just don't think they can do it, so – I'm going to go Packers as well. All right. We have the Sunday night game. You know, NBC loves the NFC East, man. Between the Eagles, Cowboys, and Giants, it's pretty much how they make their uh, their primetime schedule for the season. we got the Cowboys and the Giants, classic rivalry, kicking off the Sunday night football season slate. I think Giants win, man. I think Cow- Cowboys are right there with the Falcons as far as letting down their fans. I think they'll, the Cowboys will end up being the better team over the course of the season, but I think Brian Dayball is a way better coach than Mike McCarthy, and I think they cook something up special game plan-wise and hand the Cowboys a big L on prime time with the whole nation watching. I feel like this is the game we get on su- open Sunday night football like every, every other season. year. 
Yeah, it just not, does numbers, man. Yeah, it's like CM Punk and wrestling, dude. Like, regard if the, even if the teams suck, dude, just throw the Giants and Cowboys on, and twenty million people are going to tune in to watch. I think that Dak's balls are to the bandsaw. I think McCarthy's balls are to the bandsaw, dude. I think the Cowboys respond. I don't. I'm not saying they're a Super Bowl contender or anything, but I think they're going to play a lot better this season. I just, I feel like all those guys are under so much pressure. And they finally got rid of Zeke. Tony Pollard's their lead back, which makes them way better with having him. They still should've, got that offense. Should have done that a season and a half ago. Still got that offensive line. They have the best player in football, possibly just period on defense with uh, Micah. Yeah, Micah Parsons. I, I just think that dude's just he just causes so much havoc, and he just ruins you everything you do on offense. I think they picked up Stephon Gilmore too in the defensive back, which he quietly had a really really good year for the Colts last season. He was kind of back at Pete Gilmore. Yeah, so they got Gilmore and Diggs at corners. Yeah, man, I just I think they're loaded talent wise. I think they're a better team. I just think Brian Dayball has enough is a big enough edge over Mike McCarthy that that he pulls out the win for the G men. Yeah, it's going to be a good game. It's in New York too. Yeah, it's going to be a good game. But you're picking Cowboys. I'm going Cowboys. All right, and the last game of the week. This is going to be another fun one, man. The Bills and the Jets. In uh, in New York City or in, in New Jersey, as the case may be, Aaron Rodgers debut for the uh, the Jets. Uh, I'm gonna let you go first on this one, dude, because it's kind of a coin flip for me. Um, I'm glad we're getting a good Monday Night Football game. First of all, I have said for the last I don't know four years or whatever, dude, they got to bring Monday Night Football back to glory. Monday Night Football is still a really big deal, and for some reason, they treat it like it's not. Like, dude, they get the dog shit games, man. They picked up the announced crew last year. They picked up Aikman and Buck. Like, so, I mean, you've got probably the two best announcers, even though I don't like either one of them. But, I mean, you've probably got the two best announcers. Now they do the Manning cast, which is a hit with everybody. I love that. Dude, I think that's that might honestly be the best broadcast for football, like, period, since like Madden and Summerall. Like, it, it has that kind of feel to it to me. Like, because Madden and Summer all used to like give each other shit during the game, and you get that with. I mean, obviously the Mannings are a lot more goofy than those two, but it it kind of gives me the same feel. I'm going Bills, dude. I I picked them to go to the Super Bowl. I picked them to win the Super Bowl this year. I think the Jets are going to be good, but I think it's going to be a little bit of a feeling out period. And another offensive line that did not look good is the Jets. Aaron Rodgers is too damn old to be running for his life, man. I just. I, I think they're going to do a good job game planning for it, but I just think the Bills are a more talented team overall. All right, so that is Hold the, on, uh, you got to pick, brother. Oh, I didn't pick that one yet? Mm. I say Bills. I, I think Aaron. I, I, I'm still calling it right now. Opening day, 2024 season, Aaron Rodgers is going to complete the uh, the whole, the, the, you know, he's going to finish the story Cody Rhodes style. He's yeah, starting quarterback for the Vikings, man. I think <laughs> I, it's either going to be – I mean, the Jets are loaded, so it wouldn't stun me if they did go on a run. Uh, but, you know, even that year Favre was there, the Jets weren't bad, dude. They were in no. the playoff run until the last game of the season. Favre got hurt and ended up – you know, it ended up in disappointment. But they were in the mix till week 17. But I think between either injuries or just weird personality fit, I think he burns out of New York this year. I think the Vikings have another year where, you know, they – Kurt gets him just, you know, Kurt gets him to second base, but can't bring him home. Um, 
And and they go, dude. You know, Aaron Rodgers is a spiteful son of a bitch. He would love nothing more than to stick it to the Packers for his kind of final chapter. It just, I, I just feel like the stars are aligning to make this happen. And you know, obviously wrestling's not football, but if you were booking it like it was WWE, that would be the move, man. Aaron Rodgers shows up for the Vikings for you know one or two, uh, you know, final seasons. So that's what I want to see. We'll see if it actually happens. Um, but yeah, I. Uh, I'm going to go Bills, man. I think the Bills roll. They're my Super Bowl pick, and I think they get started on a high note for week one. Yeah. All right, let's get to Million Dollar Bets. Uh. Uh-huh, yeah. All right, for those uh, need a refresher, me and Jordan are each starting with an imaginary million dollars for the season. We're going to be placing bets throughout the year and see who ends up on top by the end of the year. So I'll go first. I picked one game for the early window, one game for the late window, putting down 50000 on both of them, and I'm going spread, not going money line. So I think in the early window, I think the Steelers cover. They're, they're getting two and a half points. I'm taking the Steelers in the points against the Niners with 50000 on there. And in the late window, I'm taking the Broncos to cover the spread. They got a four. They're, they're giving four points up uh, against the Raiders, but I think they cover and roll big time. So I'm putting fifty thousand down on the Broncos and the Steelers this week. You can definitely tell you're not a, a normal better because uh, normal betters don't go fifty thousand week one. We we, we got to hedge our bets a little bit. <laughs> I got a million to play with. I, I can I can I can make it back if I lose. Right, hundred grand goes pretty quick though, bud. You lose both, like <laughs> down to nine hundred thousand pretty quick there, Bill Gates. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna do twenty five thousand dollar bets. I'm gonna go. I I rode this all year last year. I'm gonna try it again this year. Uh, first half Eagles over 22 and a half points. So that's combined points between the Patriots and Eagles, 22 and a half for the first half. I'm, I'm, right. I'm going to keep betting that as long as they keep putting the line out low enough. And then the bet that I love this weekend, that is probably going to cost me in the end. Uh, I love the Vikings minus six. I just, I think the bucks are an absolute dumpster fire. And I think this is a game where the Vikings could easily win by three scores. We know Justin Jefferson's going. His goal is to get 2,000 yards this year, and you're not going to do that unless you get up to a big start. So, yeah, I can see him dropping, you know, two touchdowns, 180 yards, something like that. Um, but, yeah, so you got those tallied, Jordan? I got it tallied. Awesome. Yeah, this is going to be fun, man. I'm looking forward to it. You know, I didn't want to be boring, but you know how, like, analytical and strategic I am. I was sitting there at work today when I should have been paying attention in a meeting. I was looking at this stuff. I gave some serious thought into just saying screw it and saying no matter what, I'm going to bet on the Chiefs and bet against the Browns all season long, like 50000 bucks each game, and just see how it uh, how it shakes out. I mean, it's not a terrible bet. You had the Broncos minus four, correct? Yep. Okay. I got Broncos minus four, and I got Steelers plus two and a half. And for those that know, we're using the sportsbook odds at DraftKings. We decided for consistency, we needed to have one site. So DraftKings, that's that's the odds that we're going off of for you know prop bets and, and everything. And if you guys want to, if you guys want to throw out some stipulations on us, go for it, man. We can we could open up, make that part of listener mail. If you guys want to say, hey, you know, you guys got to do a prop bet or a, or you know a, a, fir- a first touchdown scored bet, anything you guys want, you guys you guys do it, and we will let you guys kind of drive some of the direction on a uh, million dollar bets. You cool with that, Jordan? Yeah, I'm good with that. I mean, we can do whatever. Me and Seth could do like a. Yeah, we could both do a prop bet every week. That's fine too. I'm good with that. Yeah, we'll uh, 
we'll figure it we'll, we'll figure it out i saw i can't remember i had a i had an article up earlier man for like interesting bets you could put you could put money on like no game this season we'll have two safeties and it's just running the entire season long i thought that'd be a pretty fun one to lay some money down on because that is pretty rare to see two safeties in one game. Yeah, th- those are always fun to look at. I always look at the full season odds before the season starts. So I'm going to start. I'm going to do that tomorrow. Because, um, yeah, there's always like a bunch of DraftKings specials and stuff like that. So, yeah. Oh, here's the top Our- one. The, a lot of people are betting this. Dak Prescott, 15 plus regular season interceptions thrown. That's like one of the biggest bets that's put in on DraftKings. Yeah, that's uh, he definitely knows how to throw some picks, man, which is crazy because I feel like for his first couple of years, he was really just lauded for, um, you know, for for how well he was protecting the ball. Yeah, that's well gone. All right. You ready to get in the listener mail? Hey, should we throw me? I'm dead serious. Me and you should throw 100 bucks on this total regular season points. Twelve thousand four hundred ninety five point five. I'm taking the over, dude. Oh, yeah, 100%. I'll take the over on that. Huh? Yeah, 100%. No, no, I'm talking about real money. I'm not talking about this fake million-dollar money. Yeah, I'm let's do it. You got to, are you ta- you're taking the under? No, I'm taking the over. Oh, so you say we just, like, team up yeah, on Yeah, we'll just put 100 bucks on it. If it hits, we'll, we'll win 100 bucks. Yeah, let's do it. I, I, I say over, dude. I think that's going to continue to go up every season. All right, I'll put it in. All right, sweet. I will shoot you 50 bucks, man, to uh, – so, so we can uh, we can collect on these winnings and we'll celebrate, man. After uh, after the season's over, we'll have to come down here and we'll get some uh, some serious wing action going or something. <laughs> get some domino swings and celebrate in style. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you guys showed out in the uh, the listener mail for this week, so I'm gonna start hitting them. So, uh, Jordan, first up, our boy Zach Hertzler says, "What current football player do you think could end up being a wrestler?" Dude, I think the Bosa brothers would be like the greatest tag team ever in wrestling. <laughs> like those yeah. two dudes are just gigantic. I just and, and they both have larger than life personalities. I could easily see that. The other one I thought of the other day was uh was JJ Watt now that he's retired. He just seems like he would be like perfect for that kind of stuff. I mean, he's always good in front of people, he's always good at talking and stuff like that. And he's a big dude, so I'd be all for watching him wrestle. I'm going Derrick Henry, man. Dude's so freaking huge. Like, if you if you go to an NFL game and see him on the field, like all these all these guys in the NFL are just world class athletes, crazy physiques, and he still sticks out even amongst them, man. Just the size and the speed. Um, I think it's probably between him and Cam Newton as the two most physically impressive NFL players I've ever seen in person. So I'll go Derrick Henry, and he's got the charisma, man. He's super funny. He got a, got a unique look with the dreads and everything. So I, I think Derrick Henry would would be able to translate really well to the world of wrestling. It is wild going to an NFL game. This has nothing to do with the wrestling topic, but just last year I went to that Falcons Bengals game, and the Falcons were warming up in front of us. Just seeing like how much bigger Kyle Pitts was than everybody else it was freaking wild. Like. He's just, I mean, he's just gigantic. Yeah, and just like the speed and like the the grace of even like the backup players, dude. It just really stands out what incredible athletes these guys are, man. It makes it so fun to watch on Sunday. Like, I, I just, when you were talking about that, like the, like how much the players just like stand out seeing them in person, I was thinking about 
in Hawaii on base. There was like an intramural flag football league and the quarterback we had on our team, like wasn't the greatest. And I, I, I just played safety on defense and we were kind of talking shit on the sidelines. And, um, you know, I was like, dude, he's out there. He looks like Matt Ryan out there running around because the dude was not very fast at all. but was trying to scramble. And then one of the guys on the team made the good point. He's like, you know, if Matt Ryan was out here, he'd probably be like the fastest person on the field be able to outrun all of us. Like, <laughs> just yeah, just stiff right, arm dude. you guys all into the ground. Yeah. Um, all right. The, uh, the, the, the fig wife, man, the lovely Ari hits us with a question. This is Jordan's better half. She says, is Dion Sanders a good coach in your opinion? I think he's a good college coach, man. Um, from, from what we see from the outside looking in, I don't think he's a big X's and O's guy, but I think he is an absolute world-class recruiter. And I think he is awesome at just setting the tone and the culture and motivating those guys to go out. I don't think Dion Stick would work in the NFL. Now, I say that. Dion's been a winner everywhere he's ever been, from high school to college to the NFL to the coaching. Dion has always been a winner. So I would never bet against him, but I'm not sure if it would work out if he met, went to the NFL. But I think he's an awesome college coach. And... I don't think he's going to be there long in Colorado, man. I see him being there maybe two, three years tops and going to one of the really, you know, A1 power schools in college football. So I think Dion is a good coach for exactly what you said, college level. You just hear about how much the players hate that hard knock shit and how much they hate doing it and just because how much access they have. Dion literally has cameras on him at all times and they're recording everything. I just think that would wear thin on NFL players. I just, I don't think that that stuff would be accepted at that level. I just, I think NFL players to a point are very private. They don't, they don't want their entire life out there. College kids are different, man. You're, you're 18 to 21 years old. You really don't care about much. Like you're, you're there to play football go to parties, get chicks. Like that's what you're in college for. Like I, I just, I don't think that would work in the NFL. So he is a good coach. It would not work in the NFL though. Yeah. And in college, the coach, the coach is the King, right? Like, you know, look at Nick Saban in Alabama, look at Dabo and Clemson, even as much as they've struggled the last two seasons, like the coach is the star of the show. The coach is the King in college. And that's just not the case in the NFL. And the NFL is all about the players. Unless, Unless you're Bill Belichick or Andy Reid, man, uh, you know, the players are almost always going to win out the power struggle against the head coach. Exactly. It's a player's league, not a coach's league. And in college, it's a coach's league. All right. My buddy James Zushi, this is one of my good friends from the Navy. He says, which top 10 QB is going to have an off year? Hmm. I think Jalen Hurts takes a step down this year, man. I'm a believer in him. I think he's a good player, but... I think defensive coordinators are going to have another season of seeing that Nick Sirianni offense, another season full of tape of seeing, you know, Jalen Hurts and that Nick Sirianni um, offense. And I think the um, I think the Super Bowl hangover is real. I still think he's probably going to end up being a top 10 QB, but I don't think he's necessarily going to be an MVP candidate this season. So I think Jalen Hurts has a slight regression, um, even if he's actually overall a better player than he was last year. But I just don't think he's going to put up the numbers like he did last season. So I, I picked the Bills to win the Super Bowl, and I still fully believe that. But I think they need to take the ball out of Josh Allen's hands a little bit more, and I think they're going to do that with James Cook. So as far as like numbers-wise and things like that, I think Josh Allen takes a bit of a step back. 
um, just because I think that they've kind of learned that him throwing the ball 40 to 50 times a game is not the ideal formula. You got to mix in some type of running game. I mean, yeah. dude, the Chiefs don't like lean on their running game, but there is times where they'll they'll run eight the ball eight times on a drive and then Patrick Mahomes will just get him in the end zone. But, dude, at some point you got to be able to lean on the run, like especially when it's snowing out or it's windy, like – it just seems like the Bills are determined, even if it's a 60-mile-hour windstorm, like, oh, you're throwing the ball 50 times into this. Like, I think it cost them last year, man. I, I really do. I just think they relied on him so much to do everything, and it cost them. So I'll say he take, takes a step back stats-wise. I still think he's going to be a great quarterback, and I don't think you were making a dig at Jalen Hurts like he wasn't going to be a great quarterback. Yeah. It's more stats-related and things yeah. like that. So I think we're both kind of on the same page here. Yeah, I agree. You know, I said that in my Super Bowl pick last year. I think the Bills are probably going to have, you know, out of their last three seasons, I think they'll probably be their worst regular season this year. But I think they're, like I said, they're battle tested. They know how to pace themselves. I think they're going to peak come January and, and make that run all the way to the championship. All right. Zach Hertzler says, favorite football coach. I'm assuming we're going we're going all time here. Like my personal favorite or the one that I think is like the best ever. And that's favorite, what, like his personal sentimental favorite. Who's your favorite football coach? Uh, for me, it's Tom Osborne, man. It's just like, dude, he's an absolute weirdo now. I mean, he just, he wants to hold this state back, but dude, having Tom Osborne of the coach of your favorite team in the nineties was, was special, man. He could go into anybody's living room, get any player he wanted. There was nobody that was going to beat him out for a recruited if he wanted him. So I'll go to you. I'm going to go old school college. Also, I, I love Lou Holtz, man. I was never really a huge Notre Dame fan, but um, I just always loved, you Lou know, seeing Holtz. the old clips. Of, yeah, Lou Holtz uh, <laughs> get out there. You know, he was just he was so folksy, man. Damn good coach. And he could talk some shit, too, man. I saw tapes. You know, Notre Dame and Miami was huge rivalry back in the 80s, Catholics early 90s. Catholics versus and, the convicts. <laughs> yeah. And Miami had, uh, you know, Jimmy Johnson was, like, just the antithesis of Lou Holtz. He was this younger, like, super uh, flashy coach going to win a couple Super Bowls with the Cowboys. And there's a there's a video of, of Lou Holtz giving Notre Dame a pregame speech. He said, he said, boys, today I have no doubt y'all are going to go out there and take care of the Hurricanes. All I ask, you leave Jimmy Johnson's ass for me. <laughs> dude. And I mean, dude, if you're not, I mean, there's no way you're not ready to just run through a freaking brick wall after you hear your head coach say something like that. I loved Lou Holtz when he was on ESPN because – I mean, half the time he had no idea what he was talking about. Like he just like going just and going off, dude. Fucking <laughs> uh, cash shit. It was always great too, and like him and Mark May played really well off each other. But when they pulled each other, like when they were apart from each other, it just didn't work. Like Mark May's stick did not work when Lou Holtz wasn't yeah. there, and kind of vice versa. So I I love Lou Holtz. Yeah, that kind of ties in with the you know what we were talking about with Dion, man. College, they they coaches in college just have a full on like you know uh just cult of personality around a man like to, to throw some cm punk terminology out there dude like they just they, they become these larger than life legendary figures yeah Lou Holtz. all right david brooks says uh biggest upset of week one in the nfl um i'd have to go back to look at the point spreads but i think i think the steelers beating the niners is going to be a pretty big upset just with all the hype the niners have after their last couple years uh so yeah that, that's kind of my upset pick for week one God, I really didn't have any. Um, I guess if I had to pick one, 
Yeah, I got no crazy upset picks. I mean, I, I guess really out of all like the the games, I guess like I could see the Bears beating the Packers. I mean, I don't know how much yeah. of an upset that is, but I mean, I could definitely see it happening. I I mean, I guess it's a pick'em game, so that's really not an upset. Okay, I'll go Dolphins over Chargers could be the possible upset because they're a dog. <laughs> yeah, there's no, there's none that really stand no. out, man. There's no there's no like sneaky underdogs for week one where it's like going to be a massive upset. So we'll see. All right, he also says Kenny Pickett, next elite QB or nah. Thoughts on him going into year two? I think he's solid. I don't think he's ever going to be an elite QB. I think you could win with Kenny Pickett. Um, I don't know if I see him being – I don't know if I can see him win the Super Bowl, man, even with an awesome supporting cast. I see – he can win playoff games, man. Like, you could definitely be competitive with him. Um, but I'm not sure even at his best if I see him winning a Super Bowl, man. I think he's kind of just, you know, I think he's kind of in that Derek Carr zone. I'm going to say one thing about him that Derek Carr never had. He has Mike Tomlin who – Love him or hate him, dude. Mike Tomlin gets the most out of every coach, player on yeah. that damn roster yeah. every year. And I think Pickett's going to be good. I think he'll be in the top half of quarterbacks as far as like, I think he could be a top 12 quarterback. He's not winning MVP or anything like that. No. I could see him winning a Super Bowl just because of having Tomlin. The only issue is they're in the same division as the Bengals and the Ravens. That's not a good division to be in right now. Yeah. He's a gamer though. I like him. I am a fan, dude. I think he. I think he plays hard. His teammates definitely respond to him. Like I said, I, th- I think he's a good dude. I just think he's got some physical limitations. It's going to keep him from being the old tiny you know, hands, straight up tippy top. Yeah, t- and just you know, even more than that, just the arm, dude. I just mm-hmm. don't think he's. I don't think he's got a special arm, dude. I think he's just you know, he's he's just a good quarterback, which is fine, man. Yeah. Um. Says what's in your cup and on your plate on a perfect Sunday? Uh, ice cold beer and chicken wings, dude. Yep. Yeah, bush light and chicken wings every Sunday. Like, doesn't get any better than that. Like, pizza's right in there, too. Like, dude, it really, honestly, it just comes down to, like, finger foods, appetizers, things like that. Like, cheese dip, all that kind of stuff. Like, that stuff's perfect for football. Especially when you get into cooler weather, which sounds like it's coming up for me and Seth here in the next week or so. It's going to cool off a bit. So, um, dude, I love when it gets cool and you just sit out back and watch football nothing better when it get when it gets cool man when it starts to get cold and you're watching outside football i love something a little bit more hearty dude like a good bowl of chili Oof. something like that yeah dude with some still with the cold beer so ice cold beer and some a little bit of spicy chili man dude i had a a food moment that was absolutely transcendent back in uh, 2021 same situation we had an outdoor theater set up it's in norfolk virginia so it's it's crisp dude it's like you know it was kind of like just cold enough to where it was still worth it to sit outside and watch football just for the ambiance had the me and Brett man had the fire pick one and Sheena took our leftover turkey from Thanksgiving and made a homemade turkey pot pie. Oh. Fucking chef's kiss, dude. She brought it out to us. Like, so it's nice. It's cold outside, but we got this hot, warm gravy filled freaking turkey pot pie. Like it was like one of my absolute favorite, like food moments of my life. Dude. Uh, um, remember when I came out there during it, it was for your birthday for survivor series and your birthday and we went to Wawa, and I was like, dude, everybody keeps talking about this turkey sandwich. The, <laughs> the gobbler. Like, the gobbler, and I got it, and I, it was like, that was the exact moment I had when I ate it. I'm just like, dude, it doesn't get yeah. any better than this. The Wawa gobbler is the best. For those that don't know, so it's a sandwich that Wawa, which is a chain of like kind of like fancy gas stations in, 
in, they're in Virginia, Delaware, and Pennsylvania primarily. There's a couple that are down in Florida, but really kind of right there in the mid-Atlantic is the, the heart and soul of Wawa. But they got this sandwich called the Gobbler that they roll out every November. So it's like thick, um, like thick sliced, like roasted turkey. They put gravy on top of it, dressing, cranberry sauce. It's basically like a Thanksgiving plate on a sandwich and super sloppy, super messy, but it's it's freaking primo, dude. It's it's so good, man. So to the point where even though we don't have Wawa here, we still make our our homemade go- uh, gobbler sandwiches every every fall. So yeah, if you got if close to a Wawa this fall, definitely get the gobbler. I wonder if Boosie's does like a gobbler sandwich. I don't know, man. It's you know it's more Texas barbecue based. They do have a pretty mean barbecue turkey sandwich, so I wouldn't be surprised. But I have not uh, I've not heard of it. I do I do like their turkey sandwich though. All right, David Brooks got a question just for you, Jordan. He says, "Am I hallucinating, or does the uh, or does the Falcons have? Uh, excuse me, I'll correct his grammar a little bit. Do the Falcons have top ten potential this year, um, especially considering their weak division? Top ten potential for divi- for defense or overall? Def- the defense. He okay. says the Falcons' defense have top ten potential this year. I think top ten is probably a little rich. I think top fifteen possibly." Um, but yeah, that division's garbage and the Falcons have the easiest schedule in the NFL. So definitely possible. I can see them having a strong season, man. I could see, I could, you know, in all the, the, the multiverses of the NFL this season, there's some that end with the Falcons going like 11 and six and getting a home playoff game. They may get their ass tore out the frame in that playoff game, but Doesn't I could matter. totally see them. Yeah. I could totally see them cruising to that division and, uh, and hosting a playoff game this year. Dude. I, I think Arthur Smith is a good enough coach. Now, granted, he did play Marcus Mariota way too long last year. Um, I think he's a good enough coach to know the limitations for his team. Ritter can be good, but they just got to be careful with how they use him. Um, and, dude, you have a three-headed monster at running back. Like, I mean, dude, how much more fitting can this get for this dude? They're going to run the ball. A lot of ball. weapons, man. They're, Drake London, Kyle Pitts. And, and they're going to run the ball, slow the game down, hopefully keep their defense fresh. The division's not good. Yeah, I, I could easily see top 15 defense for the Falcons. Yeah, I'm a big believer in Arthur Smith, even though I jacked his name up earlier. Dude is a very good coach. He single-handedly got Ryan Tannehill, you know, a big money contract when everybody thought his NFL career was on its last yeah. leg. So, dude can ball. Uh, David says, thoughts on super conferences in the NCAA? I'm all about it, man. I think they should do the top, like... I'm thinking the top 40 schools in Division 1A combined into just a super conference and then divide it up into some divisions and basically run it like the, run it like a giant league like the NFL. Just have that be the – that's kind of your pool for making the playoffs too. I know it sucks because you're going to cut out some of those mid-majors who every once in a while might make a run, but with only a 14 playoff, man, like – But this is the it's last not, – It's not the same this, as basketball. This is the last year for four-team though, buddy. Next year. What's it, but what's it going to? 12. The, 12. Yeah, so may, may, maybe open it up, but the, no, the college football, the, the like, there's such a big gap between the mid-majors and the powerhouses. Like, I just don't see a Cinderella run happening. No, it, it's going to change because the Pac-12 is dying after this season. So you're just going to have the four major conferences. You're going to have ACC, Big 12, Big 10, and SEC. That's all you're going to have. Mid-majors are done. They're, they're not. But getting... is the Big 12 and ACC really going to be major? You know what well, I mean? I mean like, they're going to have like 16 teams, so I mean – 
You got to consider. I feel like the Big Ten and SEC got the the creme de la creme. You oh, know? they definitely did. the The Big Ten and SEC took all the schools that everybody wanted and wished they could get, and then the Big Twelve and ACC took whatever was left over. I'm not saying either one of those conferences are super. I'm just saying, like in the grand scheme of things, like 16 to 20 teams is considered a super conference. So, yeah. I, I I'd be in favor of just one, like I said, one one conference to rule them all, and then divide those up into some divisions. I think that'd be the most entertaining way to run it. And then, dude, what would be really cool is if that was the only teams that those teams played. Man, get rid of the fucking Southwest Alcorn State going up yeah. against Alabama and shit like that. Like, no, imagine if you got nothing but bangers, dude. And and the other cool thing is, dude, you could go straight standards. You could get rid of the fucking polls, man. Like if you if you did that, think if we didn't have to worry about stupid polls in college football anymore. It was just straight up, you know, play the games out and the standings are what they are. So the hope is that you have the four super conferences and the top three teams from all four of those are the teams that get in the playoffs. So then you have a 12 team playoff with three teams from each of those conferences hopefully they do it right and the top four teams are the the one seeds from all those conferences because dude i think it could be cool and the first round of the playoffs is at the home team site so they're playing these games on campus in round one yeah so it's gonna be cool man i, I ncaa is doing the right thing finally because dude division two gets it right every year they've been doing a playoff for 20 years and it works i love every it year. Man. That's one of my favorite, my one of my all time favorite sports memories, dude. In two thousand two, Western Kentucky University, so they're out of out of Bowling Green, Kentucky, the Hilltoppers. They're they're one A now, but they used to be one double A. And two thousand two, um, they they made it to the national championship, which was always played in Chattanooga, Tennessee, every year. So it was only about a about a four and a half hour drive from our house in Kentucky. And me and my dad and little brother went went there. And we watched um, we watched Western Kentucky win the national championship in person. That was. Just a ton of fun, man. So I always uh, always look back on that fondly. All right. the uh, Another question just went for you. This one's just for you, Jordan. Will Nebraska ever be good again? Good, yes. 90s, great. Absolutely not. The problem is, is kids have finally figured out that you can go to California and now you can make money off NIL. You can go to Alabama. You can go to Georgia. The only thing that I think could like sway the balance of power is if they put some more control on the transfer portal, because I do I do think that is college football's biggest problem right now is a kid can commit to Georgia and not play his first year and then just decide, eh, I'm not going to work at this anymore. I'm just going to transfer somewhere where I know I'm going to play right away. Right. Dude, you knew there was probably a greater than zero chance that that you weren't going to play at Georgia your first year anyway. Why would you go there? Like, it's just, it's stupid. I get they're just going there because they're going to get a national champ, a chance at a national championship and you can't take that back. But I just don't get it, dude. Like some of these kids are going to have to learn, like if you want to play immediately and have a shot at the NFL, dude, shining on a shitty team is still more shine than you're going to get on a great team. So I don't know, man. I, I hope these kids learn and that they kind of they kind of figure out the transfer portal a little bit because I do think it's ruining college football a little bit. But eh, to answer your question, they will get good again. Great, absolutely not. I think uh, just the way the overall game of football offensively has changed has kind of hurt Nebraska too. Because back in the day, around the triple option, they could get all the big cornbread. 
you know, strong as an ox lineman there locally. And then you, for recruiting, you really need to go out and find you a quarterback and a running back to, to run that offense, man. And they'd be good to go. But with the, with the way, you know, the explosion of like the air raid offense and stuff, man, it's, it's just a, so much more competitive trying to go find three or four wide receivers. And, you know, no offense to the great state of Nebraska. I just don't think you guys are producing those guys out of high school. I mean, you'd be surprised, dude. They have a five-star tight end that plays in a small town in Nebraska right now that got recruited by every college in the country, and they had another one last year. Like, they're producing some good kids out of Nebraska. It's not that. Where did that tight end go? He's going to Nebraska. Nice. So, they have – I don't know, man. I think the biggest problem for Nebraska is they were in the Big 12 – they ran the offense that they ran. It was more run heavy than it was pass heavy. Then the Big 12 went to basically air raid offense about three years before they left. So then they went to that. And then they went to the Big 10 that was still half and half. And it still kind of is half and half run heavy to pass heavy for the teams. I just think they're just stuck in the middle right now, man. Like they, they don't have a real identity on the offensive side of the ball. And that's what kills them more than anything. Like they can't can't commit to either being a passing or a running team. And I think that's their biggest flaw. They've been through three coaches in six years too. So that's not helping either. Scott Frost was supposed to be the savior. Scott Frost's biggest problem is all he wanted to do is drink the entire time he was there. (laughs) was missing practices to do golf simulators and drink margaritas. Like just, it, it just didn't work. I mean, whatever, man. All right. He also says, which team is tanked the most for number one pick this year? I got the Bucks number one on my uh, my tank watch. Oh, I, I think it's the Cardinals. I don't think the Cardinals are going to win a game. Yeah, I think you. Got, I think the Bucks, the uh, Cardinals are definitely the front runners. I don't think Sean McVay would allow the Rams to tank. The Rams should tank, but I I just don't think he's got it in his DNA to go into tank. Do they even have a coach. first round pick yet, though? Like, how many more years of first round picks do they got to give up? I think they still got like two more years till they even have a first rounder. Yeah, they did kind of mortgage their entire future for the uh, for that Super Bowl ring. Hey, but hey, they worked off. If they the got Falcons the ring. want to trade off their next twenty first round picks and they win a Super Bowl in the next three years, I'll take it right now. If you it, get the ring, it's worth it, dude. The the ring makes it all all the pain worth it. You're never gonna say that Super Bowl win was not worth it, just because it's so damn hard to to just make it through everything and get to that mountaintop, man. Uh, Sam Rosenthal says, "Why do you think kickers are struggling so much the last few years? The amount of extra points missed lately is remarkable." because they took it from 10 yards to 30 and these college kickers come into the NFL still used to the 10 yard extra point. Then they have to back it up to 30. I don't care what you say. There is some mental gymnastics that go into kicking a field goal and none of us will ever know like what it's like to have the ball on your foot to kick a game winning field goal. I, I can't, I mean, it's gotta be a lot of pressure. I just, I don't know, man. I I think that's the biggest thing is them moving the extra points back. And I do think it's helped the game because I feel like extra points, kickoffs, all that stuff was just, I don't know, it was just there. Like it wasn't even really part of the game anymore. And now they've brought it back because, dude, there's been a lot of times where a kicker's missed an extra point and that team lost because of it. Like, yeah. I wish they'd get rid of kicking the extra points, dude. How much better would it be if it was you go for one from the two-yard oh, line dude. or you can go from two from the five-yard line? The XFL. Or go for three from the ten, dude. dude give us fucking I'm, I'm telling give you, us XFL style. The NFL, and I really hope that the XFL continues because, dude, the XFL has some really cool stuff. I mean, the NFL stole the Skycam from the XFL. Like, they need to steal the extra point from the XFL, too, because that is way better. And I, yeah. I even like the, the XFL thing where – 
Um, if you're down in the fourth quarter after you score a touchdown, you can get a fourth and whatever it is, 15 from your own. I 30. love that. Instead of the onside kick, that that's such awesome. a better way, dude. That is so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how that hasn't come up. I mean, I could, I get it from like a football purist standpoint. It's kind of gimmicky, but that's so much more fun than the stupid onside kicks, man. Onside kicks are, it's the fucking lamest play, dude. Like, I don't care how well you practice it, man. Unless you do like a surprise in the middle of the game, getting an onside kick when the other team's expecting it, it's always just some unorthodox, fluky shit, and you got to hope you get fucking lucky, dude, or the other team makes some kind of kind of boneheaded play, dude. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the fourth and fifteen being the way for uh, being the the way to to do the uh, the kickoffs, man. I think that should be the whole game, dude. I think it should all start with a fourth and fifteen, and if you want, you can just punt it, dude. Punts are way safer than fucking kickoff returns, anyways, man. If they're trying to. If, they, if they're worried about player safety as much as, you know, they say they are, it would be a little bit of a bummer to just permanently get rid of kickoffs because a kickoff return for a touchdown is so cool. Um, but I think if you if you want to, I wouldn't be opposed to doing the fourth and 15 thing from the from the start of the game. And it's just up to the team if they want to punt or go for it. Yeah, I, I still you still got to have kickoffs, though, man. Kickoffs are dude. I mean, Cordell Patterson and Devin Hester made a living off that. Like, yeah. Yeah, Desmond Howard. It's been a lot. It's just it's it's so exciting, dude. When you see a kickoff get run back for a touchdown, even even more so than a punt, it yeah. just hits different, man. Yep. All right. Uh, last question. Sam Rosenthal says, "What's your favorite position to play and watch?" And he knows us well because he says, "And I mean football players." Before you make it an R-rated podcast. <laughs> well done, sir. Well done. I'll go. Uh, I'll go free safety, man. In high school, I played both ways. I played quarterback and free safety. And playing quarterback was cool, right? Like just because it's awesome, right? Playing quarterback, it's like the you know the stereotypical thing. But I love playing safety, man. Just being back there, center field. Um, you know, covering the whole field, roaming around, making interceptions, getting getting teed up for big hits, man. Uh, so, and and I always appreciate some good safety play in the uh, the NFL, man. So I'll, I'll go safety. Um, I always played uh, offensive and defensive tackle, so I'm going to go left tackle. There is nothing sweeter than realizing at the end of the season that your quarterback didn't get hit, and it's all because of you. Like it's not the most rewarding position and they definitely don't get their names put in the stats, but dude, when you have a good left tackle in the NFL, you are pretty much set on the offensive line. I mean, dude, a left tackle can make an entire offensive line better. A good left tackle makes an average offensive line elite. Like, I mean, it happened with the Browns when they had Joe Thomas, their offensive line was average. They got him. It was elite immediately. Well, then they started drafting like Alex Mack and all that stuff. But um, yeah, I, I just loved playing left tackle, man. It was, it was always fun for me opening up the holes for the running backs and stuff like that. I love doing that. Yeah, man. So thank you guys for all of the, uh, the questions. Uh, you guys definitely freaking showed out in the mailbag. We we're planning on this being about an hour long this week, a little bit of a short episode, but we're pushing, uh, an hour and a half as we wrap it up again. Thanks for all the support week one. We will be back with a full episode next week. Stories, uniform watch. We'll give you the, the wrap up on our first, uh, round of billion dollar bets and who won the picks. Looking forward to it. Uh, Jordan hit us with some closing thoughts. Hold on. We got to tell them the, uh, social media accounts follow us at the goal line football show on instagram and on twitter x whatever you want to call it it's goal underscore line <laughs> underscore pod uh follow how, us on- dude and all and all the crazy slang that has come out in the last like 10 years how have we not come up with something better than saying underscore uh, yeah i don't know either like undisco 
<laughs> I mean, we need, we need some sort of one word uh, or like one syllable phrase to replace the underscore because it's always such a pain in the ass breaking that down for people. Yeah, but seriously, follow the, follow the um the social media accounts and give us some more questions because like we don't want to just limit this to to the Facebook group for the wrestling pod. We want to hear from everybody on this and yeah, um, slide the DMs, yeah, drop a comment. Yeah, we'll I mean, be happy to answer. Even if it's just something to like say like, hey, I think you guys could do this better. There there's no bad criticism when you're doing a podcast, especially when we're starting a new one. Um and any comments help, honestly. Um uh, as far as closing thoughts, get ready, degenerates, it's football week. Heading out to San Francisco For the Labor Day weekend show I got my hush puppies on I guess I never was meant for glitter rock and roll And honey, I didn't know That I'd be missing you so Come Monday, it'll be alright Come Monday, I'll be holding you tight I spent four lonely days in a brown early haze And I just want you back by